Season 10 is here, Butler. Double digits, baby. Calm down. I'm just excited to talk about our whole new slate of films this upcoming season. We've got a Shakespearean adaptation set in the 70s in the world of fast food with Scotland, PA. We're also taking on two sequels to highly popular films in U.S. Marshals and 2010, The Year We Make Contact. But I know you're more excited about our third annual Forgotten Horror. It's my favorite time of the year. Recording October episodes in the dog days of August. Forgotten Cinema, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith. And I'm Andrew Tahada. I am a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a freelance writer with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a film and its connection to the DC animated movie universe, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This is yet another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Superman, the animated series, flew onto TV. Holy crap, really? It is. It's where a lot of people's modern version of Superman began, at least animated-wise. But It's full circle. I love it. Um, Because it's great because we just started off with, uh, well, the death of Superman. So it was such a welcome beginning. Yeah. Here's his death. And now we're going to talk about in our film here, his reign, but not just his reign. We're talking about the reign of Superman. Oh, yes. You cannot forget because we got four sterling Supermen ready to go and <laughs> a voice cast that you won't believe. Maybe you will because yeah. you, you've gone this far. But <laughs> who's in this thing? <laughs> we have pretty much everybody coming back that was in Death of Superman. And we also have another person who's making a comeback here, Cress Williams, who plays John Henry Irons, a.k.a. Steel. He gets some more dialogue this time around. We also have Cameron Monaghan, who took a break from Shameless and Gotham, and I guess helping the Jedi Order to voice the Boy Scout as Superboy. Charles Halfer is pulling a double duty, not only as our favorite Bibble Babowski, but also the Eradicator. And we have Patrick Fabian as Cyborg Superman. And finally, we have the big bad himself, Uxus. Yes, I will call him by his real name. Ooh. I refuse to call him Darkseid, but he is voiced by the Candyman himself, Tony Todd. Yes, doing an excellent job. Everyone, every, all the voice acting is clean in this movie. Just so, so good. And everyone's so unique. And, you know, we got all our, get all our favorites. And another favorite that comes back right away Jimmy Olsen, showing that he is unable to walk across the street without meeting mortal danger. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, his head is in the camera as Cat Grant and Dree Gordon Godfrey, who they're having a really intense conversation over a report because we find out it's been six months since Superman has died. And they're wondering, do we live in a society right now where we need a Superman or can we be our own super people? And we see, as they're talking about this, that these four new Supermen have all popped up, all different quick shots. And the Jimmy Olsen scene, we see that he gets saved by Steel as he's also trying to take a picture of, I believe it is the Eradicator who flies by. Mm-hmm. But Steel's able to stop a bus from hitting Jimmy Olsen. And in typical Jimmy Olsen fashion, he immediately goes into taking pictures as Steel flies off. And we just get more and more of that, like, there are supermen all around. The quest for peace continues, but not with our friend Clark Kent. Yes. You know, everyone else has got to step up. And in this great intro of all the different supermen doing their thing, 
the Eradicator introduces us to one of my favorite named characters, now even surpassing my boy Tusk. We got Snakey Doyle, the, the <laughs> villain. Like, what? Why Snakey Doyle? Jesus, I, I can't help but love it. And he comes back. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I love it. It's just great to have these like really random name characters from the Superman mythos coming out. Because as we get a chance to see Eradicator dishing out his hands of justice, we now know that there's Superman operating. And then we see what we needed to see all this time was how are the regular people dealing with it as the Daily Planet is going through their, I don't know what this is, like a pitch meeting it's like a debrief yeah. yeah it feels like a pitch meeting like just trying to fill up the, the newspaper column and perry white is trying to do it in the most insensitive way possible because he forgets clark kent is quote unquote missing he doesn't recognize that lois is still grieving at home and he also insults the title of the movie calling it stupid <laughs> <laughs> so perry white is taking no prisoners as he mentions Lois, we immediately jump over to Lois Lane, who's in her apartment. She's like washing dishes, doing house chores. And she sees a picture of her and Clark together and immediately breaks down. And I just got to say this, that this is how you show the love between Superman and Lois. Sorry, not Superman and Lois, but rather Lois and Clark. This is why I felt the DCEU did not understand. I'm already swinging right now. (laughs) (laughs) He's already reviewing other movies inside this one. (laughs) But yeah, like they showed so much of this infatuation that Lois had for Superman in DCEU in the live action. Here we saw that she's still processing this grief. And it's not that she's dealing with the loss of Superman. She's dealing with the loss of Clark Kent, the man that she loved. And I feel like that's something that DCEU never understood. She loved Clark not the superpower being from Krypton. We didn't need to see Lois grieve while getting a cup of coffee, walking in slow-mo, listening to some like random 90s TV song that shows heartbreak. All we needed to see was Lois dealing with it in her everyday life. And honestly, this was the best way to show it. So that's why I am so glad that the animation version got it right. 100%. And, you know, another really crucial difference between the live action animation is Lois in the live action doesn't do anything. Oh yeah. (laughs) You just kind of (laughs) in, in the original version, the justice league, Batman literally brings her in Zack Snyder's justice league. They make her slightly more active, but really not much. She just happens to be (laughs) holding a cup of coffee when Superman shows up. But in this movie, they make the crucial distinction that Lois feels like, it's her obligation to find out if maybe one of these supermen might be hers. Maybe somehow, because Clark's body went missing at the end of Death of Superman, maybe one of these is somehow her Superman. So she decides to meet up with Wonder Woman, uh, have some, some one-on-one talk, and go and think about, you know, should I pursue this? And Wonder Woman is extremely supportive too supportive no 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 it's fine (laughs) it also does lead to a bizarre a bizarre scene where wonder woman spins and changes into a costume and yes we we know it's like an homage to the original live action wonder woman show but but why why is she doing this on the street also she's doing this on the street so secret identity what what are you doing (laughs) Yeah, I think we've confirmed here that Wonder Woman does not have a secret identity in this universe. Like she's completely gotten rid of Clark's mindset of having your own life and your hero life. And Lois, after she gets not necessarily the blessing, but it does feel like that, the blessing from from Wonder Woman to go on this journey, which also another good thing that does come out of it is Wonder Woman tells her that this journey that she's about to embark on is important, but also remember that don't lose yourself in the process, which is really good to hear because this movie is still showing that there are stages of grief that are still happening. And as Lois takes those words to heart, she heads on over to a fundraiser that LexCorp is hosting. And honestly, this is probably the most expensive fundraiser I think I've ever seen in my life. Like you have the funds. Putting this right. on, you think you're already good. 
But of course, Lex wants to use this to stroke his ego. He wants to introduce Superboy as mm-hmm. his creation. He wants yeah. it to be Superman. Everyone calls it Superboy. And while Lois is trying to uncover the truth, we have the most <laughs> the most horny minutes of any DCEU <laughs> film because Lois in a swanky dress tries to seduce a, a scientist, Mr. Donovan, to seeing more of the facilities and trying to get more idea of where Superboy came from. And after Lex Luthor comes in, shames Mr. Donovan for like being unfaithful to his wife. Lex shoots his shot at Lois. What? <laughs> My boy, what are you doing? <laughs> he also said that, you know, he always thought that if things didn't work out with her and Superman, that he was going to be the next logical choice. In what world, sir? <laughs> Where do you think, okay, Clark Kent mm-hmm. to Lex? Like, come on, Flash and Green Lantern are in there somewhere, at least. I think Martian Manhunter is a good contender above Lex. <laughs> Jesus, Lex. Now, as they, after this really weird moment is happening, Lois notices that John Henry Irons is off in the distance. They had crossed paths earlier in the fundraiser, and she sees that he's there spying on everything that's happening. He's made his way down to this facility. But this is soon interrupted as we see that the entire building is shaking because the Eradicator and Superboy are now engaged in a fight at this fundraiser. This big brawl breaks out, and the Supermen are fighting, and it looks like Superboy is done for. But just before he can really get taken out, Steel flies in, tries his best against Eradicator, and I got to give it to him. Like, mm-hmm. Steel is punching out of his weight class. But <laughs> he is still putting in work to try to keep Superboy safe. Unfortunately, it doesn't go in his favor. So we need to call in the latest round of big guns, and that is Cyborg Superman, who finally makes his appearance He's able to get in between Eradicator and the rest of the super people. As he's talking with the Eradicator, Lois is noticing some things about him. She's noticing that like his mannerisms, the way that he's speaking is very much Superman-esque. In fact, it's more Clark-esque. So is this the Superman, the Clark Kent that she knows and loves? Is this him? After the events steal the armor somewhere off in the side pretend you know it's a secret identity says that oh i was you know i ran out of the way so like i just made my way back and <laughs> he's in a bathroom t- stall just dropping <laughs> chunks of steel in the bathroom stall <laughs> ignore that guys uh just uh just had a bad lunch bad quesadilla don't worry about it so lois john and superboy are now talking and immediately superboy hits on lois like I mean, it's, <laughs> and it's, god damn. Look, we get it. Lois is attractive, but guys, come on. Stop punching outside your weight class. You're not steel. <laughs> Lois Lane, we jump back. She's back at her apartment now, and the cyborg Superman comes to visit her. The two of them are talking, and the real reason why he's there is because he wants her to stop saying in the paper that she's that he's fake, that he is, in fact, a real Superman. So, she tries her best, given that now she's trying to see if this really is true. She starts asking him things about, like, what was the last secret that you told me? And he's unable to answer the question because he says that his mind is like a fog and he doesn't really know what's happened to him in these past couple of months that he's truly been, quote unquote, gone. There's a great this- line in there, too, uh, oh. where he, in the midst of all this convincing, he he kind of recognizes that okay, tonight's not going to work out. But he says, even if you don't believe I'm Superman, believe that I'm trying to do some good. Mm. And I really liked going back to just the feeling of heroes that want to be heroes. We don't always get that in modern day stories. So, the reluctant hero has kind of taken over as, a, as a, an idea. So it's really nice to see, even though things don't go as smoothly later but at least a hero that seems like oh i want to do this i want to protect the people just to protect them and we get to see him actually in action doing all these things as you get kind of a run through of just each of these supermen who are standing up for what's right um dispensing out justice in the best way that they know how 
And the more and more that we see it, the more and more that we're seeing that Superboy is just basically here for show. He's taking part in all these like ribbon cutting ceremonies and just really here for the photo ops. If this was, he's basically an Instagram model. That's all he really Oh, is. yeah. Quick side note, for Superman is really great for Metropolis. I just got to say, like, this is an arrangement that would really benefit them to have full time because they're getting work <laughs> done. But back to you, Superboy, clearly, you know, a showboat, he kind of has a desire to do something more, but he's really a puppet for Lex. And Lex is bold as hell. He grabs Superboy's face. I was like, yo, Lex, he has super strength. What are you doing, bro? (laughs) You have an off switch on this kid? Because I don't know what you're doing, man. So Superboy rolls down the window and it's really nice to see that he knows a way to get Lex to stop trying to attack him. And Lex decides that it's time to change the way that Superboy is being seen by the public. So he decides to, through the power of nepotism, hire <laughs> hire Superboy as the leader of his defense team that's going to be monitoring the president as the president is heading over with the Justice League for the launch of their new watchtower. And luckily, they need it right away because <laughs> the Justice League is attacked by a bunch of parademons. This time around, Batman's actually doing some work. He came to play today. Yes. (laughs) I'll never forgive him. I'll never forgive him for sitting out there in Atlantis. But (laughs) yeah, Batman is out there fighting. All the Justice League is doing, you know, their typical good job. And they're fighting off the parademons that have invaded the Earth. And in a very weird scene, all the Justice League decide to stand in the exact same place. And then a portal from the sky falls and captures them all. Now, I like where this leads, where, you know, you remove the Justice League. But come on, Darkseid really expected them all to stand in one place and then conveniently (laughs) drop the thing when one of the Justice Leaguers can move faster than anything? Like, how did he know this would work? You do have to acknowledge the fact that this is such a weird exit for them (laughs) because then we immediately go to cyborg superman was present during this whole thing and only decided to jump into action when he saw the president was in danger but don't you think that superman would have at least attempted to save his friends if he saw a giant portal falling from the sky about to land on them well you know the thing is cyborg superman saved the president and since this is the first woman president in the DC AU, presumably, this yeah. was a really good move for the voters. So I think <laughs> the voters went with Cyborg Superman for supporting feminism. Oh, okay. Got which it. you should always do anyway. But right. he's the one who really put in the work today. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense. I can't even spit <laughs> up. It makes no sense as to why anyone would believe this is the real Superman after he just lets an entire Justice League get eaten. It makes, right. like, what is Metropolis on? What are you guys huffing down in Metropolis? <laughs> and at this point now, Lex is pissed. He sees the newspaper, the president has accepted Cyborg Superman as the true Superman, and he decides that now is time for him to, you know, start fresh. And by him starting fresh, he means, like, killing Superboy. <laughs> So he takes him over to the facility where Superboy came from, where you, we saw in our last film, there were like a bunch of like monstrous, possibly looking beings that are in there. And that is when they cross paths with Donovan Daphne, who is just looking all the messed up. I guess he got hit by the truck that Jimmy Olsen was supposed to be hit by. <laughs> and as they bring him there, Lex goes off to the side to pick out something. It looks like this green syringe. And it says termination on it. So I'm, we're assuming now that this is probably some a plot now of his to go ahead and kill Superboy. As Donovan and Superboy are talking, he reveals that not only is Superboy a clone of Superman, but he also shares DNA with Lex. And that is how Superboy truly came to existence. Yeah, and that's going to mean every family reunion is going to be awkward as hell. Can you imagine Thanksgiving? <laughs> Ma Kent, Pa Kent, <laughs> Clark, and Lex Luthor, like, sharing a turkey? I don't think so. <laughs> and as Lex is ready to kill Superboy, Daphne's just pleading at this moment that's like, yo, we don't kill him because he's the best one that we've got so far. 
we've already made such great progress and he's already doing great. We just need to just change his approach to it. And in one of my favorite scenes going a little bit out of order here, but I just got to, I got to get to it. I have held back long enough. Steel. (laughs) We get steel. John Henry Irons lands in his facility. His pieces of armor fly off bit by bit. Like he's an iron man and they have special columns and everything. And he gets in, he's like, all right, long day fighting crime. Time to relax. And Lewis is like, yo, what up, John? <laughs> and he, he's, he gets like, what the hell is going on? And Lewis keeps talking casually and he's just standing there shocked. And she's like, bro, come on. It's obvious. Whatever. Let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> and she does have that wonderful line. It's just like, I knew you were steel. Like, I, I'm supposed to be the one that's really bad at secret identity. It's like, oh, holy shit. I'm glad that we finally acknowledge that Lois Lane historically has been bad with the secret identity of Superman. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's so fun. They have such a great chemistry to Lois and, and John. It makes me sad that we literally never see them together after this, oh, yeah. uh, after this movie. But for now, it's it's wonderful their interplay throughout this movie. They really are good friends. They're both talking about how they've been doing their own research on the Superman and John reveals something that really kind of like triggers for Lois that like, hey, Cyborg Superman might not actually be Clark. He um he has a connection to to Hank Henshaw, the astronaut that we saw that died in our last film, Death of Superman. They're going back and forth and just really realizing that like, hey, there's a lot of similarities here between them. So that's when they discover that Hank Henshaw might actually be the cyborg Superman here. And we get a chance to see more of that happening as we cut to a scene with Hank, who is at his wife's gravesite. And at that moment, we see Hank kind of bugging out a bit. Yeah, it turns out that having a Verizon long distance chat with Darkseid will kind of do that to you because, yep, our boy cyborg Superman is indeed a pawn of Darkseid. And all of his heroic acts saving the president was all a setup for the next evil scheme in this interplay you still get the sense that you you, obviously he resents superman (laughs) talk about misplaced blame here because dark side's the one who sent the thing to kill you and your wife and you seem to be neglecting that (laughs) in favor of saying oh superman didn't save me well superman didn't throw a piece of metal at you so take your battles here but he is clearly ready to execute every one of Darkseid's plans to try to get back at Superman. And, oh, Darkseid's plan, you got to give it to this guy. He, he comes up with creative solutions. And this one is a doozy. Yes, super, say Superman. He is not my <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Cyborg Superman, after a press conference with the, with the, was it the mayor of Metropolis or the president, Anyway, he's there with a political figure. And as, as they're talking about the loss of the Justice League and what's next for the world, Cyborg Superman is just like, I need your help to, to create a new Justice League. I want to get regular civilians to come and join me on my Cybercore team. And already here, it kind of like brings it back full circle a little bit for me about our opening dialogue. What does it mean to be like a Superman in this day and age? And also like, how do we need to be our own super people? So as he's talking about this and telling people that like, hey, you don't have to fear because I got this for you. If you feel like you don't have any power, I have this device for you. So people are immediately signing up. Like there's one person in particular who his hand just immediately just shoots up and he says that he doesn't want to again feel helpless and you see that he's actually the one of the people that was robbed in the beginning that was saved by superboy and mm-hmm. also this he was also attacked at another time during the film as well so so as he walks up to take on this new thing it's a kind of like a just kind of looks like in the shape of the superman emblem he puts it on um cyborg superman puts it on this guy's chest and it immediately engulfs his entire body in this like reddish black um, skin type suit. And we see here that he's fast, he's strong, 
He has the ability to fly. And as people are seeing this, more and more of them are just kind of like jumping in to take on this opportunity to become a part of this new cyber corps. Mm-hmm. And Eric, damn, the, the guy Eric can now lift Eric. with this new suit. But uh, there's a side effect in a great tiny scene, but it's a great scene. Eric saves his former girlfriend, fiance. I'm not sure what the relationship is there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not um, for sure either. They never described it either, I believe. They're together in some way. And her purse yeah, gets stolen. Partner. <laughs> yeah, partner. Yeah, he saves his partner. Partner's purse from being stolen. And she's like, hey, what's up? Eric, haven't seen you in a couple days. And he seems to have no memory of her. So now you have this kind of, this horrible side effect that if you became a Cyberman, <laughs> Cyberman like Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> um, you <laughs> seem to lose your memory and individual free will so that shrink comes at a cost so our man bibbo has returned and he's seeing this play out and he's like we got to protest this this is just too crazy these cyber people can't be around metropolis we we got too much weird stuff in metropolis this is just one thing too many so he's preparing for a protest and finally we get a reveal of what's the justice league been up to all this time when they got yeeted. <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> fighting space worms. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I hate to be this guy again, but they're in space, right? Yep. yep How yep, are yep. they eating, breathing, or doing any of the essential things? This is, again, I'm getting some Throne of Atlantis flashbacks, so we're not going to explain how the characters <laughs> can breathe when they should be able to. <laughs> So they are, as this is also happening, Steel tracks down the Eradicator at the fortress. He decides to go and see what everything is about. And while he's there, he's seeing the spaceship that Clark came in on. So he's able to communicate with the Fortress of Solitude. And instead of talking, he realizes that, like, yo, this is a revitalization cycle that he's going through. So he's thinking this, the Eradicator. Um, who immediately jumps into action and starts attacking him. And as they're fighting, he <laughs> he legit butt-dials Lois. Yep. This is a line in the movie. He butt-dials Lois, who is able to see somehow on the camera that um, the two of them are fighting. And as she's looking at this, she realizes that the spaceship is there and realizes that this matrix is something she just learned about in the last film where she realizes that it's it holds Superman's identity, it holds Superman's everything he needs in order to survive. So if the Eradicator is there protecting it, there must be something in this matrix. And that's when she realizes that the Eradicator is a hologram and that the Eradicator has been this entire time been pretending to be Superman while also protecting the body of Superman. And this great setup leads to one of my favorite Lex Luthor lines. So good. He hacks into this because he wants to get information. He wants to know about the fortress and everything. And when Lois is putting all this together, she says, I hope Superman is alive. And Lex goes for the first time. I hope he is. That is just, ah, come on now. Lex Luthor saying he hopes, hope he using the word hope. Come on. It's, it's, ah, I love a little bit of a, when Lex's facade cracks. He's so good at being a savage, but every once in a while. <laughs> While this is also happening, um, Superboy was also present. He had like a really great heart to heart with Lois right before, but he sees that John Henry's in trouble. So he rushes over to the Fortress of Solitude to help in any way that he can. All while also Metropolis is burning to the ground because the protests have now turned violent and Cyborg Superman is now initiating the launch in some way of the of the Watchtower. And we see now that he's really communicating with Darkseid. The two of them are plotting more and more about how they're going to terraform the Earth to make it a new apocalypse. So as that is happening, the people are now trying to fight back, not knowing that this level of villainry is happening, but they're just trying to stop the cyborg core from really just like taking over 
Metropolis. But at this moment, the Cybercorps now start flying up into the air and their bodies just start basically splitting apart into just like wires and cables and start connecting together, which is just... <laughs> I mean, okay, was this the best way to do this? <laughs> I just, I feel like they could have built a tower or something. Right. Like I get it, Darkseid would do this. He would use human bodies as portals. I'm just wondering if there was an, a more efficient construction design he could have gone with. Maybe perhaps a simple circle. Uh, perhaps perhaps a mother box. I, right. I, I don't know. But in any case, while they're making that portal, Steel is winding up his fight with the Eradicator. And, it, you know, Steel, again, I, I got to give it to him, punching out of his weight class. Unfortunately... Yep. He does not have a shot in hell. Luckily, he is saved by mullet Superman. <laughs> and I got to say that right here, I was watching this with my wife, and as soon as she saw Superman with his flowing hair, she she had to comment on his luscious locks. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to be going out my hair for a bit now, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> petition for the longest hair we're gonna get you looking like prince <laughs> and superman our real superman kal-el clark kent has hopped out of his um his baby spaceship and he's watching the news reports they're trying to catch up he, he he talks about how he's catching up on all these news reports as steel tries to inform him and he shares that he's like, it's time that we go need and shut down Cyborg Superman's plan because it's clearly just causing some discord in, um, in Metropolis. And as he's ready to go, uh, Superboy pops up and is just like, all right, what's the plan, dad? <laughs> Superman's just like, what the, what happened? He's like, can I live with you, bro? He's like, what? How long have I been out? It's funny. I, I like all these interplays here are really funny. Like there's a, there's two other really great jokes where Superman and Steel are talking. Steel complains about the Eradicator going like, oh, so he can go out there and put on a cape and dispense justice. And Superman mm -hmm. just looks at Steel who is wearing a cape and dispensing justice and doesn't <laughs> even say a word. And there's also a brief bit where the Eradicator goes, hey, a mullet superman you're not fully charged yet so i wouldn't recommend going out for a full battle please refrain from sexual activity too it's like eradicator <laughs> stop reading our minds all right <laughs> but yes we find out that Super superman our mullet superman is not fully powered yet he does not have any of his kryptonian abilities it seems so they decide that in order to get there superboy and superman um steel sorry superboy and steel are flying alongside outside of the ship that Clark decided to take to get over there. And they're trying to get in contact with like Lois and everybody, but they're only able to get in contact with Lex Luthor um, because they find out that Lois decided to go ahead and create a one-woming storming crew towards the Watchtower to take down Cyborg Superman. The reason Lois is going into the Watchtower is because Lex was like, I I'm not doing that. Like I, I'm gonna, I gotta be out here trying to get the Justice League with the Mother Box. I, I'm, I'm not going inside the tower with Cyborg Superman. You crazy? You, yeah. you gotta he go in there. Doesn't ever reveal that plan until like it actually happens too. That's like, just like the crazy part about it. But Lex is not the most courageous. The most courageous is Bibbo because he is a going to throw hands with the cyborgs <laughs> that are still remaining. He's ready to fight, and Lois. While Lois is dealing with the cyborg Superman, the other Superman jump into the fight. Steel has another great line. It's where he goes, excuse me, may I kick your ass? And just comes in. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love Steel. And this is probably the most action that we've seen in this film right here. And it's just like, it was just a full scene after scene. Every single character is engaged in some kind of combat or high intense situation as Steel and Superboy are teaming up while also, I guess, like protecting Lex at certain points, even though Lex is not thanking them at all for being saved. Like, <laughs> and then Lois is running around in the tower trying to get to 
to Cyborg Superman to stop him and stop his plan of working with Darkseid. As Lois is about to, basically about to be killed here, we get an alert that there is a vessel of Kryptonian origin making its way. And <laughs> this thing makes its way in such a way where it goes through the tower, takes out Cyborg Superman, and Clark just like busts out of the of the ship and just like flowing luscious locks. <laughs> oh yes. He is he is back and he's more beautiful than ever. Immediately Lois has to verify, is this for real? And she goes and says, what was your last secret? And of course, Superman says, I love you. And she knows instantly that this is the man that she wanted. This is the one that she needed. Even with this great reunion, Hank is just so lost as Cyborg Superman. He's been twisted by Darkseid, corrupted by his own grief. He is ready to kill Superman. And at some point in the fight, I just this line also hit me like a truck, <laughs> not unlike Jimmy Olsen, where Hank and Lois are talking. Is like, oh, how can you live? How can you stand for a world to have to go on without Superman? How can people live without Superman? And Hank goes, well, I already had to. And that just digs him Ooh. further into his mania of he has to kill Superman now. We jump back because the fight outside is just getting even worse, but we are fortunately able to get the Justice League back because Lex Luthor, using a mother box, so he just has, just, I don't sure. know, just yeah, just has it like a, like a chase card. Um, he uses it to bring back the Justice League and in just an epic kind of entry, they're all just like floating in. And Batman quickly assesses the situation, tells him that we need to get into the city right now because they are destroying it. Um, we don't care about what else is happening here. They are, there are people's lives in danger. So as that fight is happening, we cut back now to Superman and Cyborg Superman. Again, we have to remember, Clark is depowered now at this point. So he is legit holding his own against a being with all of his, po- with all of his former power, his former strength, and all of his former abilities as they um, are just kind of like fighting Cyborg Superman, his, his craziness just goes even further and further because Darkseid says that he wants to head on over to Earth so that he can finally take care of Superman himself. But Cyborg is just like, no, this is my fight. I'm going to do it. And we finally see the final division between the two of them as he takes out all the materials that... Um, Darkseid gave him to communicate with him and it leads into this overall battle between Cyborg Superman and um, Superman as they this as he reveals more and more about the plan that Darkseid had to really take down Clark he was trying to do this indirect I'll send Doomsday I'll weaken it up I'll soften the planet up it was a great gambit and oh I mean it did technically work but In the end, Cyborg Superman's obsession with trying to kill Superman is all that matters. So he tries as many before and fails because Cyborg Superman, unfortunately, does not have the love of his wife because Darkseid killed him and he forgot about that. But that's what ultimately pulls Superman ahead in the end. That and also they uh, flew out into space and Superman was able to absorb some solar energy there and i love this crazy scene because as cyborg superman is yelling at superman to look as he's about to destroy and kill lois right in front of his eyes he's saying open your eyes i need you to do it right now if if you don't open your eyes i'll peel your eyelids off and you know what you get what you ask for because at that moment Clark unleashes the biggest level of heat vision I think I've ever seen in my life. And I loved it. Took him out. We see that maybe Cyborg's arm is growing back a little bit, but kal is just like, no, this is it. He takes a crystal and inside of it is the Eradicator who he takes and stabs it right into the head of Hank Henshaw, ultimately destroying every trace of his being and disrupting the connection that he has with the cyborg core as they all fall from the sky. It's now clear that they are dead because the only person we get a close-up on is our former hero, Eric, who 
wanted to be a part of this to you know feel stronger and be more protective of his of his life and the life that he was trying to create but unfortunately he does lose it here as his partner looks on and just breaks down in tears over his lifeless body yeah it is a stunning another unexpected scene and i don't know what it is about these superman movies that are so good at doing these short stories within the bigger narratives that are they they connect to the narrative but they're relatively self-contained yeah i i don't know how they pull these off again and again but they managed to do it and it's very effective and it's a good note because there's a lot more hopefulness about superman returning in the world but at the same time there is that dark tinge that they want to make sure you know because after all of this superman's like we ain't playing defense no more my man this time we're taking the fight to dark side, you know, Halo 2 style. So, you know, <laughs> and that is the big setup for what will be the conclusion of the DCAU. Yes. How many Cybercore members would you give this movie? Uh, I, you know, I went back and forth. How many, how many cyborg pieces? Can or we can up? also go in for how many versions of Superman would you give this? Oh, yeah. Oh, All right. Superman variants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say I'd give the reign of the Supermen. I, I, I'll give it a 7.5. My reasoning is it made me, first of all, it has nothing to do with reign of Superman, but it made me realize this is what bad blood should have been if you're going to introduce multiple versions of the same character or characters that do the Ooh, same thing, this yes. is how you do it. The, where the movie really succeeds, introducing these four characters and making sure that we know what each of them stands for and each of them represents and having them interplay in fun, dynamic ways. Steel and Superboy end up like a little buddy-buddy team and Eradicator is just like, I, I don't care about any of you. I'm just here for Superman. So I think that's really fun. There are some logical holes in this movie that are hard to, to get past, not just the breathing in space and the circle, but uh, for me, one thing I was kind of disappointed by re-watching this movie was actually Cyborg Superman himself. Hank Henshaw's story in Death of Superman, that five to ten minutes is so compelling. I'm sold 100%. I follow his logic and everything. Here... I was a little lost. I still got hung up on, you know, or you must know, or put together that Darkseid is the reason your wife is dead. He should be your main focus of hatred. And Superman is dead at from what he knows. So the, the fact that he's willing to do this whole revenge plan to get revenge against Superman beyond the grave is a little weird. It just it it was a little weird and a little disconnected for me personally. I just was having trouble following how we got here because when we got to the final confrontation, it was great, but everything leading up to that, I'm like, you realize that you're aiming at the wrong target. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where I uh, that's where I I think the villain for this Dark Side being the bigger villain obviously was great, but I think Cyborg Superman somehow fell a little bit shorter for me than he did in death. Uh, so, but where are you? How many, you know, Superman variants Ooh. with capes we get going? <laughs> I gave this a, a seven. And to be honest, it's actually feeling between 6.5 to seven, mainly because this is, I do feel like this is a, a, a good follow-up to death of Superman. Something that I really enjoyed in this film was the the sense of legacy like what is what does it mean like how do you create a legacy for the biggest force that was ever you know put into the world the only thing that i feel that was missing from it and this is why i rated it so low is that lois's journey to discover who these supermen were i feel like we missed that mm. we could have spent a lot more time with her just speaking with each of these versions of Superman in some way. we It was just really quick. It felt like the tell me your last secret thing was something that was just like, we needed to find some way for her to like quickly ascertain who who is Superman here? Like who is Clark? 
that's the main reason why I felt like it fell short. It felt like it was very action focused where we just came from a movie that we just, you know, really like talk things through. And I felt like it would have been great to spend a bit more time just like diving in and understanding what are the motivations for each of these Supermen that came out here? Why did they decide to put on the cape and fly about? Or for Superboy, why he decided to put on the jacket and fly about? <laughs> um, but anyway, I felt like we missed that. But I still think that I will give it that still higher end score because, again, this was a really good follow-up to understanding like what does it mean to have a legacy? And what does it mean for someone else to take up the title and the mantle and it doesn't have to be you know there's somebody who you train specifically to be that person it could just be like people who felt empowered to be that person and I'm glad that we kind of got that sense there a little bit here in the movie I, I definitely agree with all of that I think Lois's journey kind of stops as soon as she finds Steel essentially and then yeah. she's pretty much along for the ride. So RTA alteration time. I think we need more snaky Doyle in the movie. No, no that's not that's not it. I I I think it's you hit it right on the money. I think we needed Lois to drive more of this story and not be a passenger in the middle. Yeah. So maybe somewhere in here it could have also been an opportunity for her to really interview Cyborg Superman a little bit earlier and help us understand where the gap is. Yeah. Because if we had a, a scene where she interviews Cyborg Superman and he explains like, I know my wife is gone. I know there's nothing I can do about it. Why not this? And see like how lost he is, get a little bit more sympathy for him. I think that could have helped carry it a little bit more to the end. Lois should definitely have taken more agency Mm-hmm. should have sought out every Superman, completed the story, published an article. Yes. <laughs> we kind of lose her a little bit. Even like there's an interesting interplay with her and Wonder Woman. And it continued efforts from the writers to be like, yeah, we, we messed up on that one. And they just made the relationship a footnote again. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you could have explored that, had Wonder Woman help out on one of these missions. There was a lot of stuff he left on with Lois in the table that she could have brought together in a better way. But overall, with the fight scenes and the fact that it did Bad Blood better, yes. I, and it is, it's a worthy companion piece to Death of Superman, even though they put a movie in between it that was great but had nothing to do with that movie. <laughs> I think definitely if you're a Superman fan, it's going to be a fun ride for you. Yes, and what else can we just ex- just love about this film is that we just got so many different Superman to play with. Four at least here that we could definitely see or actually five because we got a return of our mullet boy. Um, but, you know, yeah. it sh- shows here that, and we talked about it earlier, it was, like, it was great to have such a strong presence of Superman in Metropolis at this time. It was almost as if Superman decided that during his time off, he needed some freelancers. And speaking of freelancers, here's some more about our affiliate partner, Fiverr. Do you need a freelancer to help you with your website or WordPress site? Or an expert presentation designer to help with that big work project? Or maybe you just need someone to write expert articles and blogs for that website. Look no further than the number one freelance marketplace, Fiverr. You can find designers, programmers, and more from seconds, some for as low as $5 per gig. Fiverr is the ideal tool to help you with your pressing projects. Just post your gig or search for freelancers and you're off to the races. Don't deal with the hassle of finding freelancers yourself. Let Fiverr help you. See the link in the description of this episode to get started. Please note that yet another DC animated podcast is an affiliate partner of Fiverr. We may receive commissions on purchases and services you buy after you click the link below. These commissions help support the growth of yet another DC animated podcast. So we appreciate your continued support. All right. Now it's time for that comic book knowledge as we go through everything that helped to influence the film that we just saw. And just as a continuation from our Death of Superman film, there's not much else I can add to it. Like I think I told you everyone the last time it was about 15 or so comics. 10 of them were already covered in the first film. So here we got like the last five or so. So really the only thing I kind of really want to focus on is your Arte alteration actually happened better in the comics, man. 
Oh, damn. Let's hear it. Yes, Lois definitely did go on more of a detective route as she actually got a chance to engage with a lot more of the different iterations of Superman that we saw. So very that's really kind of what this film was missing. So if you do want to see how it played out in the comic, it works out much better. But we actually did get a chance to see as well in these comics a bit more of origin story for a lot of these characters because this is, we were dealing with four different versions of Superman and just a bit of historical knowledge. The reason why we have four different versions is because 90s comics love this crazy amount of how heroes can be placed out in different ways. We saw kind of like the birth of, of Kyle and as a Green Lantern in DC World, we saw Scarlet Spider come out in the Spider-Man comics. And that was because people were just fascinated with just like different versions of their already known heroes. And that's why also Elseworlds for the DC universe was really popular as well. So that's why we got four different versions of Superman. And before I go through talking about each one of these and a bit of their history, we got to know what today's comic section is called. And it is named after Bibbo Babowski's favorite song, It's Raining Superman. Let's go. <laughs> so first off, we got the Eradicator. We saw him in our film. He is the Superman wearing a crazy set of visors as if he's playing one of those like futuristic racquetball games. This is a Kryptonian being who actually was introduced before the Reign of Superman comics came out. He was seen first in, I believe it was Action Comics number two. He was a device that was first had a connection with Krypton that turned into this sentient like being that acted as the gatekeeper of Krypton and preserving everything that was good about it and whatnot, and really wanted to protect it at all costs. After the destruction of Krypton, he was left without a purpose. That Drove him crazy a little bit. He had made his way over to Krypton, to to Metropolis, where he ran the Superman. And the two of them fought. And that ended with Superman turning Eradicator into this being of pure energy. And the energy happened to find its way around the Fortress of Solitude. The robots that we saw in our film here, they decided to bring back Clark. And they did so by gathering whatever energy that he had in order to revitalize his body. Unfortunately, that energy happened to be the energy of the Eradicator, who in a lost state didn't know who he was or what he was. And he just started watching the news reports, very similar to how we saw with Superman in our film here. Started watching the news reports about the loss of Superman and kind of just assumed himself to be Superman. He was able to find Superman's body because it is the one thing on all of Earth that actually radiates more energy than he does. Makes sense. He decided to go to this energy to absorb it. And he took this residual solar energy from Clark's body. And that transformed it into looking kind of like the character that we see now of this like muscular, tonish Superman with the visor on. But he decided to take the body back with him so that he can keep pulling energy from it and thus keeping himself alive, being able to keep his form, not realizing that this entire time, this energy and this revitalization was helping to to heal Superman at the same time. So he goes on this journey through dishing out justice because he truly feels himself to be Superman, but he's a lot more cold-hearted. So that's why in the comics, and we probably see a little bit in the film, he's actually willing to kill. Um, And people are like accepting this and like loving this, which is really weird when you think about it. It's like, why are we so quick to look to loving the killing of people, people? (laughs) I guess they're like, what if Superman was Batman that could kill? Huh? Huh? (laughs) Lois does question this. She like tries to figure out, you know, if he really is Superman. She immediately realizes that it's not. But one person in particular is just like, I want to test this to the fullest extent. And that is former Green Lantern Guy Gardner. After the two of them cross paths, the Eradicator realizes that Guy Gardner is really showing him what Superman truly was. So, so he decides to take a bit of a nicer route and become more of a benevolent hero versus the, if I find you dealing an eighth in my neighborhood, I'll kill you. Love those. Next, we got Superboy, AKA Subject 13. 
this is one of the many Superboys that we actually have in existence. I think this is actually one of our first ones here. He goes by the name of Connor or Con L. He is, as in the movie, a direct clone of Superman. Not much is revealed about his other side until much later on, where it's just the influence of Lex. But for the most part, he is created by Lex with alongside uh, a scientist. It's very similar to Dabney, but it's actually not named Dabney. And the work of Cadmus. For Young Justice fans, you know exactly what Cadmus is. Oh, oh yes. You'll get <laughs> or even close, Supergirl close fans, too. But for a quick intro, Cadmus is a genetics facility that's very much into cloning, as we saw here in our film and in the comic here. It got his name from, from the Greek mythology of a person the same name who was the founder of Thebes. The reason why Cadmus is very popular with genetics is because Cadmus took the, he took the teeth of a dragon that he has slain, buried it, and was able to create a formidable army by the name of the Spartoi. So you can already see here that Lex Luthor working alongside Cadmus is looking to create something very similar of beings of super strength, warriors, and all that. But he ended up getting Superboy. <laughs> all that research and you just got one teenager. <laughs> a teenager with attitude, you know, so, a pick from Zordon himself, probably. <laughs> In the very beginning, he re- he already knows he's a clone. He announces it to the world. It's not uh, something that he tries to keep secret. He eventually is able to break away from the LexCorp influence that he has. And actually, there's very minimal LexCorp influence on Superboy's life. Um, and he really leans into... Um, not only just being just kind of this flashy, showy kind of guy, but he also starts leaning towards Steel to really kind of be his mentor because Steel at one point stopped him from going too far um, because it was very dangerous to what he was doing. It was just like, you need to do better. Um, just need to take responsibility of your actions because anything that you do, especially with the amount of power that you have, can be harmful. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Steels because I just speaking about him steel is the only person who does not have any superman dna of any way shape or form um he is a man by the name of john henry irons he is also probably the first black man to take up the emblem of the man of steel there have been many later on i just the really quick thing i love steel's character but his origin story is basically iron man oh no he is Iron Man with a bit of Thor mixed in, unfortunately. <laughs> He's a great character because it really shows that he, again, shows the love that the people of Metropolis have for Superman. And he also shares at some point um, a story about how Superman saved his life, which is really great. He wanted to stop the gang violence that was happening in, in his neighborhood. It led to him being hospitalized kids being killed unfortunately and also the destruction of his own entire home and it was all from one gang in particular so he decided to build a suit of armor like we see here in the film that had the superman s on it because he decided he realized that with superman being gone metropolis needed a presence of this symbol of peace here he did include the hammer which is awesome really cool it is very much acts very much like it does in the in our animated film here, and also how it acts in the newer live action adaptation played by Wally Parks right now oh, yes. on Superman and Lois. Love, love that role for him. I love that adaptation. But yes, in this one, John Henry Irons, um, he decides to take out the, the gangs that are plaguing his neighborhood until one day he gets shot by a weapon that is unlike any weapon he has ever experienced in the in the neighborhood and that weapon he realizes is something that he created Mm. john henry irons is a smart man he was recruited by the military and was a part of their development of new wave technology and everything so this weapon got taken by somebody he used to work with and they mass produced it to put on the streets and this weapon is called the toastmaster well, that clearly needed a little bit of extra time in the PR office, but what does it do? <laughs> yes, it emits a strong energy that is actually able to knock Steel out on his feet. And Steel is a strong dude. He's able to lift like basically Superman in his armor. So 
to have that there's this weapon that's not kryptonite that can take out a man of steel uh he decided to put his efforts towards shutting this down and that's really kind of what his origin story was like before he started to come into play in the final events of the reign of superman in which we saw the return of superman himself which leads us to our last soup here is cyborg superman Everybody that I've mentioned here so far has kind of had a bit more of an introduction here in these Reign of Superman comics. Eradicator came out a little bit before, but he really kind of blew up here in the Reign of Superman comics. But Hank Henshaw was the only one that kind of existed prior to the death of Superman's um, story arc. Hank Henshaw, again, uh, I'm going to say this, we got a little bit of an influence from another universe here in terms of origin stories because Hank Henshaw is an astronaut. He was on a spaceship with three other individuals, including his wife. While on that spaceship, he got hit by a solar flare and that cosmic energy turned them all into some kind of create weird looking beings. And although Terry and Hank weren't exhibiting any symptoms, once they got back to Earth, Hank and Terry, their body started to deteriorate. Terry's body started to vanish little by little, exiting out of our plane of existence. And Hank's body, his skin literally just fell off and he was just a walking skeleton. Um, are you just giving me the story of Fantastic Four? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, basically. I am. I got y'all. Um, but yes, if you read actually Action Comics number 446, this is actually the entire story of Hank Henshaw and his crew. <laughs> That's just so funny that, uh, <laughs> that it, it, I don't I don't know which came first but it just sounds like <laughs> the same story with extra steps <laughs> yes they these are the same stories of extra steps and these did come out after the fact and uh, ultimately this is kind of why these origin stories were then reworked but Hank he eventually just found a way to put his consciousness inside the inside of a robot Superman was able to save Terry but he was only he wasn't able to save Hank so Hank went to go visit his wife in this new robot body, and she did not like what she saw. Superman tried to plead with him to stay and figure out a way to help him, but he already felt it was too late. So he took off to space, and where he floated around until he found Superman's birthing matrix. Not as good as the name is the data matrix as we saw in our film here. <laughs> <laughs> While there, he interacted with it, and... During his time in space, he got crazier and crazier and crazier to the point where he started to blame Superman for what was happening to him. So when he came across this matrix that uh, Superman was in, it turned him into a being that looked exactly like Superman, except for the robotic parts that we saw in the film and actually in the comic as well. So he decided to head on back to Earth to kill Superman because he's through his mania, he decided that, like, you know, that's the best course of action. But while he was there, he learned that Superman was already dead. So he decided to adopt his identity and decided to become the Earth Superman. But he already had a plan in place because he wanted to also destroy any remnants of his past self and his existence. So the biggest thing that came out of it was he decided to destroy Coast City, which oh <laughs> he which he pretty much succeeded in he worked with mongol another super superman villain not mongal as we just saw in the the suicide squad movie <laughs> <laughs> but yes it's mongol the he so he worked with him to destroy kose turn it into this new place and as he's getting ready to create a new version of this other city that he just did superman superboy and steel team up to take him down. Superman comes back to life also with the help of Supergirl. They work to take him down. And again, just like in the movie, Superman didn't have his powers. So they're basically going toe to toe. There's no cyber core. There is just okay. whatever, yeah, whatever villains and, um, you know, henchmen that Mongol and um, Hank Henshaw were able to bring forward into, into this new Coast City Metrop um, engine city that they created. And as they're fighting, Cyborg Superman is just like, this is it. I got to take him out right now. I got to destroy Superman once and for all because then I can finally live in peace. So he takes a kryptonite ray and shoots it at this 
powerless Superman. But at that moment, which is why I'm guessing that this is why they included this moment in the film, Eradicator jumps in between the hit and the energy radiation from both the kryptonite ray and the energy that Eradicator had been absorbing all this time engulfs Superman, giving him back his power. And Andrew, you'll love this because it ended with Superman pulling a reverse Flash special and putting his hand straight through Cyborg Superman's chest, ending it there. There we go. The vibrating hand. Let's go, Superman. <laughs> but yes, all these characters, they were really great. They do come back. But yeah, that was it. That was the comic book influences that helped create our, I think it was actually an 87-minute film here of Superman Returns. Um, not the one with Brandon Ralph, but <laughs> the Superman does return. Superman lives. I'm going to keep going. Superman lives, but That's not with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> That's a jinx right there, but it's a beautiful one. So, you know, now that we've seen these glorious Superman rise, you know what it's time for. Another damn Batman story. <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys. But we're gonna we're gonna treat this like a like an RB one, because Batman is gonna keep it real low this time as he oh, deals yeah. with love. Yeah. He's gonna hush. I feel like that was the name of the song, Hush. Hush. Or am I thinking about like Oh, you're thinking about touch. Hush. Well, that's what I'm going to be singing until I see it next week. Until then, take care of yourselves. And don't worry, because this time when you look up in the sky, it could be Superman because he is back. And he's not covered in cyber parts. Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall, and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. The first set of comics on our list are Reign of the Superman and Return of Superman. These comics serve as the conclusion of this 90s story arc and the source material for our film. If you're looking for the classic style origin story of our new super people, these are the comics for you. Next we have Action Comics number 775. Continuing on with our theme of legacy, this 2001 comic by Joe Kelly titled What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way shows us what happens when the values of Superman become obsolete. A new team of heroes called the Elite show that they can do a better job using more violent tactics. So our Boy Scout must show them and the people of Metropolis that heroics is nothing without compassion. Not only do we get a chance to see Steel again, but this 39-page comic was so good that it was adapted into the animated film Superman vs. the Elite. And if you haven't watched this, you have to because it shows one of my top 5 moments when Superman goes ham. Last we have Superman and Lois. This 2021 live-action series coming out of the CW's Arrowverse is a welcome surprise for DC fans. Focusing in on a more seasoned Superman, we see how he and Lois handle a marriage and parenting two teenage boys one of whom, spoiler, is exhibiting abilities. This is a must-watch if you love the dynamic between Lois and Clark, and it's a great legacy piece on the man of tomorrow. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and follow yet another DC Animated Podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news on upcoming content. Take care, and we'll see you for the next issue.